0: Oh, it works, I feel powerful. Okay, Um, welcome, Uh, thank you for coming this afternoon. I know it's the middle of the week, so um, don't worry, after this session, you'll probably catch a second win. At least that's what I hope. Um, Let me introduce myself, my name is Kenneth Hoy, I am a solutions architect with Rubrik, and I'm on the stage with?
1: John Arachi from the University of California, San Diego.
0: Great. uh, the, the main focus of this session, as you can see, is really about the University of California, San Diego, and talk about kind of why they chose to use, uh, go to with rubric and with AWS, and then talk about some of the challenges they saw potentially uh, in doing that and some of the problems that it solved. Uh, my job here really is to kind of level set by giving you, uh, I promise, a very concise overview of who rubric is and what we do. And then the bulk of this time I'm hoping is uh, will be turned over to John. And then I'm also hoping that you all will have questions. And there's mics on, uh, in those aisles. Um, at the chalk talk this afternoon we had a great session. We did an hour of non-stop Q&A. So uh, we won't have that, that as much time, but I'm hoping that we have a good amount of time for Q&A because I think that's uh, often more useful uh, than just a straight up presentation. So. All right, so let's get started on that. Okay, so the agenda, really simple, right? I'll give the overview of rubric. John will talk about UCSD, and then uh, we'll have Q&A, and then uh, I'll give you some uh, ideas for, to think about. Okay, so let's start with rubric uh, data management. So uh, obviously, one the, this may reflect some of the things that you guys are thinking about. Um, how many of you are, are all of you using AWS today? Pretty much everyone, right? Okay. Um, so for those who aren't, right, one of the, one of the questions that always, you guys always have to ask yourself is, uh, does it make sense for me to use the cloud? Because uh, to be honest with you, not everything does, right? And I think that was actually reflected this morning. You were at the keynote uh, near the very end when um, Andy Jassy announced AWS Outposts. And you notice that one uh, with Outposts, which is essentially an on-premises private cloud, there's actually, not only is it on-premises, but there's actually two flavors, one that runs AWS services and one that runs VMware. (laughs) So I think even um, at this point, even uh, the biggest cloud provider in the world uh, is admitting that there are workloads that people are gonna keep on-premises. So you got to think through: should, should I keep something on premises? Should I go to the cloud? And if I go to the cloud, how do I actually get there, right? In a in a risk as risk-free a way as possible. No one wants downtime. Sometimes it's unavoidable, but what you don't want is unplanned downtime, right? So you got to think through what what tools and processes do you need to use in order to ensure a smooth migration. Um, and as with, we've talked about customers, we usually find there three buckets. You, you guys may be in one of three or in multiple buckets, right? Uh, a lot of our customers are, this is all kind of new to them, and uh, taking their backup data and moving it to S3 is, is kind of an easy way for them to dip their toes in the water in terms of AWS. Uh, then we've got a second group of customers who are starting to migrate to the cloud and taking their uh, existing workloads on, as on-premises and then running them in AWS they may be starting to build out some new applications, um, and some of it might be cloud-native, some of it may not be so much. And then that third bucket is those folks who are, who've kind of made that move to the cloud, or they uh, always was in the cloud. i talked to a number of customers this week who've never seen the inside of a data center, never touched a vSphere console. So, And those folks, they're really talking more about how do we go multi-region, uh, as opposed to just trying to get something into an availability zone. So in any case, um, our goal obviously uh, is to help customers wherever they are in that journey. So uh, very quickly talk about who who we are at Rubrik. So Rubrik is a, a we call a data managed cloud data management company. We're very much focused on at this point in the data protection and data security space. And what we decided to do was, uh, all pun intended, reinvent the way that people think about data protection, particularly in the cloud. Um, and the, the, what we did is we looked at what, was, uh, what has been historically been backup solutions, and typically what we found was a lot of um, point solutions that have been uh, built over the years and integrated together. While that often works on premises, it also becomes very difficult uh, and to, to both manage and difficult to scale as you get bigger. So we said, what if we took all those point solutions, right? All these things that are doing replication and backup and restore and archiving. Um, and we basically converge them down to a single software platform that you can run on an x86 hardware or even at, on a set, as a set of EC2 instances. And we built that out in a, under a distributed system that scales linearly. So when you add more rubric instances, you end up adding capacity and you end up act, adding performance at the same time. And then obviously we wanted... So many of our customers wanted to look uh, to go into the cloud. We extended uh, what the Rubrik platform can do to help customers do that. And very specifically around what we're doing with AWS so we are an AWS compet- uh, competency partner, um, which means we're kind of at the highest level you can for, uh, in that space. Um, and we have a number of product capabilities I'm going to go into a little more detail about that help customers move to the cloud. And to run in the cloud. So first, I want to talk about, and the one I'm going to focus most on, because um, that's the use case that uh, UCSD uh, kind of basically uh, bought Rubrik to focus on. Uh, some of the other capabilities, John will talk about them exploring, but potentially. But I'm going to focus less time on those. But I want to focus mostly now on cloud out. So cloud out is our ability to essentially use S3 as a st- storage target. Uh, for your backup data. So this is primarily for customers who, you know, they backed up data on premises, they traditionally stored it on tape and maybe shipped it off, and now they want to not do that anymore. They don't want to manage tape. They don't want to ship things off in a truck. Um, And S3 provides a very reliable but cost-effective way for customers to do that. So S3 is a 11 nines of durability. So um, one way to think about that is um, I think Sony actually did a study where they said to achieve the same amount of durability using tape libraries as you could get by moving to S3, you basically need to have a copy of that tape across, I think, like 10 data centers or five data centers spread out across the world. Um, so, uh, so S3 actually becomes a, more, a better and more durable way to actually store your data long-term. So that's what we enable customers to do. They can go to um, S3, or they can, and they can go to Glacier. Um, And we also support um, storage tiering. So we have customers that may start by placing their backup data in standard tier and then move it to IA, um, and basically let uh, Amazon do that, AWS do that for them. And we also support uh, sending things directly to Glacier if you want a low-cost storage. Where you don't, you you will only touch it in an emergency. And along with that support for glacier, we also support something called vault lock. So this is a, um, so a requirement for for uh, companies that have uh, they need to meet, uh, meet certain compliance requirements. So a vault lock basically locks down the policies so they can't be changed. So we integrate with that so that when you create a policy for how long data needs to be retained for. It basically can't be changed, and I want to talk a little bit about cloud. So we don't merely look at um, S three as a, as you know a dump a dumping ground for data. We try to apply some intelligence to how we actually get that data up to S three. So, for example, we actually dedupe and compress the data on premises before it gets shipped out to S three. So you're saving on some of the uh, bandwidth cro- uh, bandwidth costs going out from uh, your data center or your co and it also obviously minimizes storage costs as well. And then we also uh, send incremental snapshots. So what we do is when we back update your data on-premises. The first backup is full. All subsequent backups are incrementals, and we only send those incremental changes up to S3. Again, minimizing bandwidth and storage costs. And then we also allow you to, we actually index every every snapshot that we take before we uh, ship it up to S3, which means we, when you back up a volume, for example, we don't only know about the volume, we also know what every file is in that volume and how many co- and what versions of that file are across all your snapshots that are sitting either on-premises or in S3. That gives you the ability to search for files very quickly. So instead of having to restore an entire file system or VM, look for a file, and, and keep looking until you find the right snapshot, you can actually search Uh, for a particular file. We'll we'll actually show you all the versions of a file across all your snapshots. And then uh, we also wanna minimize your cost getting data out, right? Because there's an egress charge involved in getting data out of of S3. So because we are indexing every file and we know what blocks are underneath those files, when you pull a single file back, we don't have to restore the entire virtual machine or file system, we actually only recover we only bring back the blocks that underlie the specific file that you're looking for. Uh, so again, minimize the store, uh, bandwidth cost and also makes for a much faster recovery because you don't have to recover an entire file system or VM. And then how many people here are concerned about security in some form? Pretty, hopefully everyone will raise their hand. So uh, because security is such a big uh, important thing, we uh, we created end-to-end security across the entire solution, uh, all, all the way from when we back up the data on premises, and then particularly we send the data out to S3. So uh, all, uh, today all data is encrypted at rest, uh, client side, which means we're, it's encrypted before we get transferred to S3, and that encryption is done using um, envelope key encryption, which means it's AES-256 for the data key, and then we can also use we use an, uh, either a RSA 2048 cust, uh, customer key that you provide for us, or we can actually leverage uh, key, AWS's key management service. So then they will provide a AES 256 um, customer master key that we will then use to uh, encrypt all the data keys. And then obviously when we ship that to S3, all that done is done through TLS 1.2. So everything's encrypted in in transit as well. And then once it lands in S3, as you know, um, uh, S3 now supports uh, default encryption. So essentially the data is encrypted at rest, gets encrypted again when it's in transit, stays encrypted when it lands in S3, and then S3 will further, will basically do a double, do another layer of encryption on top. So um, again, this kind of gives our customers peace of mind, right, about, uh, about the safety of their data. Okay, that was the longest part. I'm gonna now kind of breeze through some of the other capabilities, and then I can talk about them further if you have questions about them during the Q&A. So uh, Rubik Cloud On is our ability to take um, the data that you've backed up and and sent to S3. The data's there already, right? Um, We give our customers the option to take those backup images, let's say the VMware backup or Hyper-V backup, we can actually take that and convert that to an Amazon machine image which you can then use to launch essentially a replica of your on-premises environment. So customers do that today, um, uh, maybe for test dev. Uh, they wanna reproduce their reproduction environment and run it in the cloud. Or it can be for even disaster recovery, a low-cost disaster recovery solution. And uh, in many cases, customers are using this as a way just to actually migrate off, pre- off their, data, all their data center and then onto AWS. And then once you're in AWS, you still gotta protect that data somehow, right? So, uh, once, so what we enable is the ability to run um, the rubric software instead of on hardware, uh, we, you can run it on a cluster of EC2 instances uh, running on AWS and then use to backup your, your now EC2 instances. And the primary way customers do that now, oops, Uh, do that now is um, by integrating with um, the EC2 APIs and leveraging EBS snapshots. So uh, for those of you who are running in AWS today, how many are using EBS snapshots? Okay, all right, a few of you. So basically, it's, uh, we are essentially at this point, uh, in this point, a orchestration layer on top of the EC2 APIs. So if you've used EBS snapshots, you know that it's a powerful tool, but it's also uh, some primitives that you have um, that you often have to either manually do the the, uh, snapshots or you have to uh, script it, right? So what we can do is we basically apply our policy engine on top of the EC2 APIs. So you can just set a policy that says, hey, I wanna take an EBS snapshot of these instances every six hours, and I wanna do it do that for seven days and then on the take the last snapshot of that week and I want to keep that for um, three months, and then after three months, ship it up, you know, I wanna keep it for a year and then delete it. So all those uh, kind of re- fairly intricate policies you can set within the rubric UI, and then behind the scenes we'll actually communicate with the EC2 APIs to make sure all that gets done on the EBS snapshot side. And we'll also do the same thing with the restores, where we're um, we are indexing actually every single file that gets backed up in EBS volume. So instead of having to mount a EBS volume off a snapshot and then look for the file, well, you, you can actually search for a, a specific file and we'll only pull out that file and, and give it back to you for, to do a restore. Okay, I'm gonna go back a little bit. Um, so a lot, of a, cust, a lot of customers obviously are running relational databases uh, on-premises and in the cloud, but we also see an increasing number of customers who are running, um, NoSQL databases like Cassandra and MongoDB, and that brings its own challenges, uh, if you had been doing that. One of the things we're learning, our customers are telling us, is that they're starting to realize replication isn't backup, and That's actually something that, if you're an old storage person like me, you've known that from the beginning. Um, Because replication also replicates user error, right? If You have a corruption or a user error, that gets replicated everywhere. So those customers are coming to us and saying, we, um, even though we're doing the triple replication of our NoSQL database, I actually need to get a snapshot backup. But then the problem is, how do, you, how do we get an application consistent backup of a NoSQL database that I've sharded across, you know, tens and hundreds of nodes, right, with triplicates? So what we end up doing is we acquired a company called Datals.io, who very much focus on that, uh, that problem set. How do you get an application consistent backup snapshot of a NoSQL database that's sharded across many instances? Um, and so um, that's what customers are um, using today. Uh, we are looking actually to integrate that into the core rubric product. So now a customer will be able to use rubric to, ma- to back up anything from relational databases to NoSQL databases. Okay. So that's um, the, kind of my short, hopefully short overview of rubric. At this point, I'm gonna tr- turn things over to John. He's gonna talk about University of California, San Diego and uh, kind of their experience of rubric and AWS, and then we'll do Q&A. Thanks, Ken.
1: So again, I'm John Arachi from UC San Diego and give you a little background about the university founded in 1960. Um, We have six residential colleges, three graduate schools, School of Pharmacy. We're world-renowned for research as well. The student numbers on here from 2017, I just saw the numbers for 2018, and we're north of 38,000 now. So the school continues to grow at a rapid pace, which gives us many, many challenges. So before moving to rubric on AWS, we had a multitude of different systems. Six different backup systems, all having different interfaces, all spewing out different error messages, all with different backup targets, some mostly disk, some tape, different rotation schedules. Almost impossible to test every DR scenario, so, Lots of challenges, no standard SLAs, and then one of the things that's important for us is we still have a little bit of IT in each of the colleges. They are separate from us, but they we run most of their stuff for them and back up their system, so we need to be able to delegate some authority to them so they can change policy and manage their protection on their systems. So, Like I tell people, I've been doing this a long, long time, way too long than I like to tell you. And with every backup system I've ever dealt with, there's always been an issue or two issues or things that I'd like to fix. And it kind of led me to, you know, what if we could do this or what if a system had that? So that's how it led me to go in this direction. So a couple of what ifs and how we solve those challenges with rubric. So you all get all error messages from your backup systems, right? Don't try to read every one of these. (laughs) Some had to be redacted. Um, But you all get error messages, they don't always give you accurate information, so what happens? You take an error code, you Google it, you're searching, you ask your friends, try to find out what's wrong, and you waste time and effort Meanwhile, your inbox is being spammed with the error over and over, jobs aren't working. Then you end up calling support for that vendor. You may have some luck, you may not. So you waste a lot of time. What we found with Rubrik is, we get really clear, concise error messages uh, when we do get an error in the system. And I can tell you, not all the time, but almost every time It pinpoints where the issue is, and it may be in the rubric system, and it may not be, but they're very clear and concise, and they're not a bunch of codes. So one of the other problems I've always had with backup systems is how many steps do you have to go through to set up a job, and what's the problem with that? If you're mapping a server or a system or a drive or a database to a backup job and then putting a schedule on it, who's to say you're not missing a job or missing a server? So back in the old days, I used to have my engineers go out and do an audit periodically and do a mapping exercise, which I can tell you they love doing. (laughs) So with Rubrik, it flips it on its head and now in VMware, we can set a top level policy on the department's folder as a catch all policy and give it a protection scheme. And then that allows us to give them access to that folder and they can change the policies on the systems below that or subfolders based on their business requirements and needs. So for us, this has been a game changer. The other thing that always happens with backup systems is you run out of space, or you try to plan for enough space for a period of time. So on the disk-based backup systems, you're always buying more disk. My previous jobs, I've always had to go in front of the CIO, the CFO, sometimes the CEO. Um, At the university, it's the same process, and it's not any fun. Um, No one ever, the capacity never lasts, as long as you tell them it was the last time you bought it, so you're always asking for more money. So elasticity is a huge need, and that's where AWS S3 comes in and gives us that elasticity. We're able to shrink and expand as our environment changes, and and we're going through a lot of change as we're looking to migrate to the cloud. So we will go up and down um, quite a bit. And then we can pull that data down just as easily. Another problem, um, pushing agents from your backup server. So all the systems push agents down, or most systems push agents down. Sometimes the agent installs correctly, sometimes it's disruptive, sometimes it's problematic. So lots of different issues can pop up with the agents. With Rubrik, most of the time there's no agent involved. Um, But when there is, in certain cases, it's seamless, and it's, it's really hidden to us. The backup server pushes it. When a new one comes out, it's done automatically. And I can tell you to date, we've never had an issue with an agent um, on a physical server so far. Um, been really seamless and, and really hidden to us. One of the things that's come up, um, and many of you have maybe witnessed this or read stories about it, Um, you have a, a compromise. So something happens, you've got some data now that's no good, and you need to take it offline and bring back a good copy. So this happened to us. So we discovered a compromise in one area. We halted the original VMs and made copies of those for forensics at a later time and date. And what we did was we set a policy on those halted VMs to save them forever so they wouldn't go away, so we'd always have them to be able to look at later and give them to security or whoever else needed to look at them. Then what we did was we restored good copies um, before the compromise and had the system back up and running. So all this happens quickly, really zero footprint and, and seamlessly and in minutes, be back up and running so this is kind of a high level of where we were before uh, rubric uh, typical many different application servers or I'm sorry backup servers backing up the application servers with many different interfaces many different hardware platforms many different hardware and software contracts to manage those um, the typical complexities, mostly going to disk and some to tape. Very difficult to do capacity planning for us in the environment. So, what it really came down to for us with Rubric, um, and we had several that we did POCs with when we looked at their product. Simplicity is probably number one. The, The use of policies uh, as your protection schemes and setting those policies once and forgetting them as a catch-all for us was huge. Um, and then being able to use multi-tenancy for the different departments. So that was, multi-tenancy was one of the ones that knocked out another vendor pretty quick. Um, being able to do that in rubric was um, a big benefit for us. Elasticity, being able to go to the cloud, I was shocked, and we did this POC about two years ago, how many did not seamlessly go to the cloud well at that time. Um, So the elasticity was important, and then there's still some of them that are basing your licensing on capacity, which was always something that was always, for me, hard to explain to the executives. I bought a backup product, but now I can't use it because I'm at capacity. Just never computed above me. So after rubric, um, this is what our installation looks like today. Um, We have a rubric cluster, and we back up, I think we're down to about 1,700 virtual machines and 100, 150 physical machines. Uh, We back them actually up all, mostly all over the wire to the rubric cluster on campus. We're lucky to have a lot of bandwidth. We keep about 14 days on-premise, and then the older archives go to S3, mainly infrequent access because of the cost savings. We're really excited about the latest announcements with AWS and Rubrik about auto-tiering. It's one of the things we've been asking for for them that hasn't been there. Um, That's gonna help move some of this stuff to Glacier or other layers of S3 where it makes sense, Uh, but we want that to be automatic. We don't wanna have to manage that ourselves. Um, So 14 days on premise, and we chose 14 days after talking to a lot of the departments and looking through our restore tickets in our help desk system, and we found that about 98% of all restores are in the last 14 days. Made sense, and it's proved pretty true. Uh, We haven't had to bring much back from the cloud, but the nice thing is everything is indexed in one system, no matter where it's at, in the cloud or on-premise in the cluster. So you still get that single pane of glass as your index for all your systems. So we did the deployment in two phases. Um, After our POC and we chose the winner, we looked at protecting our virtual machines first and foremost, that's where I felt We had the most systems, of course, but um, it was our biggest need because of the gaping holes in the other products that we had weren't covering that well. So we did about uh, 2,000 virtual machine migration over to the backup system. That went flawlessly. We reevaluated our capacity needs after that because I can tell you the one thing you need to spend time on, whether it's this system or any of them, is it's difficult to figure out the capacity with the dedupe compression, how many snapshots you're taking, uh, logs from databases, it can really get uh, complex calculations. They have calculators, but we felt more comfortable doing it in phases. Um, So after phase one, we kind of let everything settle out and then looked at what capacity we had left on the first purchase and then made our second purchase and started moving physical servers and databases over. Um, And then that gave us a much more accurate picture as we went on. You may or may not be able to do it that way, but for us, that's what worked. We built a bunch of SLAs, and we tried to keep it down to a minimum, so the departments would have SLAs to choose from that made sense, but we didn't want a bunch of different policies out there. So we kind of talked to the different departments and what their needs were and came up with I think we're at less than a dozen. Um, For the most part, we have a couple areas that have long-term retention needs, so they're kind of one-offs, but other than that, they're pretty standard. Um, And then um, we did the archive cloud out to S3 for everything older, and that went well. This is what the rubric dashboard looks like, so, Tells you you what systems are in there like VMs, your SLA domains, what the activity is. And I can tell you from someone who's in management, um, watching this activity log go through, I think we process about 15,000 jobs a day. And some of those are database stuff that happens over and over and over, but it's a constant stream of activity. Um, Gives you your capacity, what stuff has erred out and what those errors are and where they're at. Um, so it's kind of a, that's where, where my team does spend time in the product. This is the screen they're in. So I mentioned we did our virtual machines in our phase one. Rubric said, take chunks of those and do the cloud out. And we said, why not do it all at once? We have giant bandwidth to the internet and to S3. And they said, we don't recommend it. We said, we want to give it a try. So we did cloud out over a weekend, and it completed successfully. So um, I think we tested that to the limit. Um, Again, all the data is is indexed in rubric, and that's across what's on premise or in the cloud. Um, And the deduping compression, as Ken mentioned earlier, makes a significant difference in your capacity. So with that, I'll hand it back to Ken.
0: Thanks, John. Okay, so I'm gonna go call action and then see if there's any questions. And uh, more importantly, see if I have any answers. (laughs) So uh, if you're interested in finding seeing a demo, um, particularly of uh, the newest release we just announced, 5.0, we have a couple of kiosks at the booth at 4.20, so you can come by there and also get some socks, that's my understanding. (laughs) Um, We are, as I mentioned, we're an AWS storage competency partner, so there's details on that. And then, in general, you can find out more about Rubric um, at our, on our blog and our, at our resource site. So, with that, I think it is. Wow, well, we've actually got a good amount of time. So, uh, if you have any questions, um, I would, uh, I've been told that you should go to the microphone so that it gets picked, heard by everyone. So, do anyone have questions for myself or John?
2: You mentioned you can do uh, EBS snapshots yep and can those snapshots be encrypted via yes. rubric?
0: yeah, we'll honor that so if you uh, if you're encrypting the EBS volumes when we uh, when we take the snapshots, uh, we'll honor that uh, whether it's the default key or the custom key you create. So I have two questions one is for you. Um if we don't have access to the appliance, how do we gain access to the backup data in the cloud? If you don't have, sorry.
1: Oh, so if you don't have access to the, if you lose access to your cluster, Mm -hmm. how do you get access to the cloud? Yeah. So the metadata in the uh, rubric cluster is also replicated to the cloud. So you just, I believe, and we haven't done this, but we went (laughs) through this scenario a while back with them because we had the same question. But I think you just spin up a new brick connect it and the data comes back down and you're back in business.
0: Yeah, so um, that's exactly right. So um, because we had a distributed system, you all are probably f- um, familiar with the idea of a master server and a master catalog, database catalog. Um, ever had problems in one of those? <laughs> I, had a, I worked at a job where uh, the production system went out. They tried to back it up. I'll try to restore it, and then they realize, but the backup server was also one, was one of the servers that got knocked out um, by a, a rogue employee, and then when they tried to go and restore, they realized that they hadn't labeled the tapes for the master catalog database, so they couldn't restore anything. <laughs> uh, in our case, because it's a distributed system, there is no master server, there is no catalog, master catalog, and in fact, every, every copy Every Rubrik instance has a copy of that database, and then when we ship the data, uh, we actually, uh, every piece of data that gets shipped up to S3 has the metadata for that backup, for that file attached to it. So if something goes out, you can either spin up, you can bring in a new cluster, or you could even spin up a cloud cluster. We'll read the metadata off that file and bring the data back. All right, my second question is to John. Mm -hmm. With 14 days retention on-prem, What is the total capacity of your plant's storage?
1: So the raw capacity, um, the usable capacity per brick, and they buy them in 2U bricks is what we bought, um, is 75 terabytes, but then with dedupe and compression, um, based on what you're getting, goes up from there. But each brick of ours is 75 terabytes of usable capacity, if that's what you're asking. Uh, we've got five today.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I will give the consultant's answer, which is, it yeah. depends, <laughs> It right? Depends on your, what, your, what it is that we're backing up. Um, we'll, we will dedupe, uh, you know. So how well we dedupe will depend on the data set, as always. Good questions you know you talked about the on prem backup like from you know your data center but from mm-hmm. cloud to cloud what are your solutions like how do you back up from AWS to Google or to Azure yeah quick so you want to move it to where like if we are AWS you know if you want to back up in Google like a multi yeah. cloud strategy okay. um, so <laughs> that is a good, so basically you're backing up one environment and you want to get it over to the other environment yeah exactly so right now there's no, actually no one can do it because, um, well, I shouldn't say that. So it depends on how we're doing it. So uh, the preferred way right now to back up AWS is to use EBS snapshots. So the EBS snapshots are held, uh, if you don't know, the EBS snapshots, uh, once they're taken, they're actually stored as flat files, uh, objects in a hidden S3 bucket in the region where the uh, original value snapshots were taken. That bucket is not accessible by anyone. Um, so we can't take that data and move it anywhere. Or maybe you bring back to on-prem and then back it up to another cloud, right? Well, so there's no real... If you're yeah. backing up data in the cloud, there's no going back right. on-prem because it was never on-prem. Yeah. Um, we are working on potentially... Uh, we're working on the ability to convert from EA, an Amazon machine image to a VMDK. So that would be one way to do it but that's, we don't have that right now. Um, the other way to do it would be to um, essentially treat the EC2 instance like it's a physical machine. So instead of using EBS snapshots, you would essentially back it up. You put an agent on the Guess OS on an EC2 instance, you back up the file system, and then you could potentially replicate that to another rubric instance sitting in a different, provider, um, obviously the egress charge <laughs> will be very high, so, um, so we're trying to think through some different approaches to it, um, but as you can imagine, uh, no cloud provider will make it easy for you to get data out to another right. cloud provider.
1: I'm using, if I'm using the Glacier to uh, maintain mm-hmm. some of my older backups, okay. when I'm starting to age, how do you guys manage to the cost of accessing Glacier? Right.
0: Yeah, great question. So, um, I mean, the cost is going to be the same. So Glacier is a very different animal. That's why in my, in my uh, uh, deck I kind of called out S3 and then Glacier. Uh, because of, uh, because it's the, of the vault, uh, well, mainly because of the retrieval time. So if you think about um, how you do a restore uh, from an S3 bucket, right, we we basically issue a get request to a particular, to a range of blocks that underneath the file. That API call needs to be finished within a few milliseconds, or it times out. Well, in Glacier, you you don't do millisecond (laughs) Right? It's a, it's a retrieval process. So the problem is then um, the ti- that timing issue makes it really hard for us to be able to pull a single file out of a. So glacier is the one, um, uh, sist- one area where we would, it would be at, uh, all or nothing, like an entire backup, and then an entire restore. We're trying to look, figure out how to address that, um, but part of that is just the nature of how glacier is so. That's a non-salesy answer, because I don't give give any salesy answers. It takes a lot lot of time too, right? So it depends. Uh, In Glacier, uh, standard retrieval time is anywhere from, I think up to five hours. You guys think that's a lot? There's another cloud provider that I will not name, where the uh, SLA for a retrieval from their Glacier-like tier is 15 hours. So it depends. There is an exp- uh, the way to get the way to get, get faster retrieval is there's something called expedited retrieval, where you can get things back in three to five minutes, but you pay you pay a cost for that, and it's still it's not seconds, it's still three to five minutes. Uh, another way around it is if you're getting a, a range, if you know you're going to getting more than one file, but a whole set of files, you can do a bulk retrieval. So then the bulk retrieval still is um, multiple hours, still few hours but now you, get, you can get like 1,000 files back in, in those three hours as opposed to three hours for every single file. Okay. So those are the options. That's a free AWS answer. <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, this question's for John. Um, did you have any NAS dependencies for your workloads from VMware, um, such as I, I, direct iSCSI mounts, NFS, that sort of thing? And if so, how did you address those challenges when you were migrating from your old backup system to your new? So the backup targets on the old backup systems? This or, would be specifically... Oh, mounts
1: from the VMware. Or the workloads, yeah. No, not that... Um, I wish one of my engineers was here. I don't think we did have that issue at all. Um, I can't recall that we did.
0: So what are you mounting? So are you mounting a NAS or...?
2: So you, you have a, a workload that runs on a set of VM servers and VMware, and yep. they're, they're using like a clustered shared volume or something like that. Oh, okay. It's tied directly via ISCSI to the, to the NAS. So the it's rubric doesn't
1: really care with the storage platform. It's taken the VMDK, so maybe I'm not understanding it. Well, the v, So <clears throat> you're talking about the data?
2: Yeah, the, the actual yeah. data, like if you have a database that's actually mounted, because if you do have the MDK snapshot, it's not going right. to collect that. So
1: there's an agent for most of the database platforms um, that gives us a much more granular and more database-like backup.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm not 100 sure, but I think you have to treat it separately, because yeah. the way we back up VMware is e- essentially communicate with, uh, I think what used to be called the vSphere APIs for data protection it tells you how long ago that I did VMware I don't know what they call it now but essentially we the we do we the i/O and then we uh, pull the data over the VMX net
2: Oh uh, leveraging the VMware tools
0: using NVD okay so and the, I, so that's pulling in VmdKs I don't data stores I don't think that would pull a mounted volume. So you have to treat that kind of separately.
2: Using the agent.
0: Yeah, so it depends on what it is. So we can, if it's a, is it a NAS share?
2: Yeah, we have some NFS and some iSCSI. Yeah, so we, have,
0: we, have, we can do NAS or we can do like a physical machine. So it really depends on what the, what, uh, what's ex- exporting out the, uh, the share. Okay. Yeah, we then, do
1: some NAS backups, some NetApps and so forth. Um, through the rubric now. Uh, They've solved that problem for us as well.
2: Oh, okay, great. And just out of curiosity, how Mm -hmm. long did phase one take you guys?
1: Um, From purchase to going cloud out with all of our virtual machines. Six, eight weeks. And a lot of the time for us was working with the departments and setting the policy and doing the training is we actually built a, a slide deck to train each of the departments on here's how the system works, here's the policies, so you know we'll put this policy above here, but then these are the ones you can choose from to apply based on your needs. So that was a lot of the timing, and then we would do it, But then after they went through training, then we'd move them over to the new back to the system, um, and I, it was probably less than two months to move it all over the virtual machines, okay. because those were much easier to to grab them. The physical took much, much longer. Okay,
2: thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Hey. Any other questions? Okay, if not, um, thank you for your time, and please fill out the survey, um, so we'll know how to you know, improve the session in the future. Thank you. Thanks.